0: And I I think that people use negative self-talk to say, well, I'm not creative. And that's not productive at all, because everybody can be creative.
1: Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth. And that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, her sisters and brothers. It's Lisbeth, and today I have the amazing Robin Landa as guest. Robin Landa is a distinguished professor. She has written many, many books, and her areas of expertise are on advertising, branded content, graphic design and she teaches a lot of different courses. One that I love is um, Nimble, Thinking Creatively in the Digital Age. So anyway, Robin has an interesting backstory that we'll get to. How are you liking having the YouTube option? This is a personal question because I always think about you as I'm developing the podcast. I love so much that I've moved to Zoom to record my prior software kept having updates that made my podcast guest get cut off at times. So that was no fun. And we couldn't ever do a YouTube. Now we have YouTube available for this podcast. so You can get to know the person and see them as we interact. And you still have all the options of distribution. But it's just made my life easier in a lot of ways. And then days like today where I forget <laughs> that it's going to be on camera and i have to draw my face on and put on makeup cuz it's if I gotten older i look like miss potato head where there's just no features my features sort of melted with age so i'm like oh no i have to comb my hair put on makeup all the things but really in general i love it having that option so youtube the channel is available now for the more recent podcasts as well as wherever you get your podcasts thanks always for being here super enjoying lately. Okay. My chicken soup for the soul, uh, chapter is out in chicken soup for the soul lessons learned from my cat. So that is being launched in February of 2023, as well as grounded in grit, turn your challenges into superpowers in the final proofreading edits. That's my book that I'm writing about lessons learned with clients over a decade, I mean, over decades of a career, in my own personal life, and in my education, different ways that particularly women who've had a whole lot of crisis in their life can employ some new tools. It's sort of a blue collar way of personal development to maybe not always be joyful and happy, but actually to live the life of their choosing and to calm some of the the chaos. Um, I really don't like personal development books that pretend that all you have to do is think positive and it will be so. I don't like personal development that tells you it's all your fault if you're going through hard times. It's not like that, but it's giving some extra and different skill sets to go through some tough things and kind of turn those tough things into the diamonds that you were looking for. Here comes Robin Landa. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Please listen, share, review, whatever you like to do. Love hearing from you. Find me at lameredith.com. Here comes Robin Landa in just one second. Robin Landa, thank you so much for being here today, all the way from New York. welcome to Persistence U. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I I
0: so admire your courage and what you've done and what you're doing. It's an honor. Thank well, you. Well, thank
1: you. You have done so incredibly much. I was just introducing you before we got on together. You have written 23 books. Is that right? 25. 25 books, Robin. And I mean, that's pretty amazing. You're a professor at a university in New York. Which school is it? I'm at King University in New Jersey, actually. I live in New York, but, but the university right.
0: is just across the bridge or through the tunnel. And there you it. are.
1: My geography is so bad. And I apologize. That's okay. Most <laughs> I, people
0: think I live in New Jersey, so I'm, I'm glad you didn't say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just fabulous what you were doing. So that's a lot of work to get where you did, where you are right now. And I know you have some newer books, uh, Kevin, if people are watching on YouTube, you have a beautiful, vivid screen of The New Art of Ideas, Unlock Your Creative Potential. How did you tell us the story about how you unlocked your creative potential? And was it an easy path? Because I think so often, as you've mentioned, people feel like some people are just creative and they're born with it. And the rest of us have to just settle for lives that aren't creative. And I don't know that that's true. That's not been my experience. What What are your thoughts? I totally agree with you. I think that's a myth. And I, I think
0: that people use negative self-talk to say, well, I'm not creative. And that's right. not productive at all because everybody can be creative. Some people do have natural T- traits or tendencies sure for example some people are very curious some people are open minded and those are wonderful traits to have and 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 help you unlock your creative potential but you can acquire those traits right and and that that's what i see happening when i teach people um i my journey started i think i'll go all the way back to middle school when i was coveting a, a pea coat, which is looks like an, a sailor's navy blue jacket, right. that all of my friends had, and I really wanted one. And I I asked my mother if I could please have one, and she said, "Why would you want to look like everybody else?" Good point. <laughs> and that I think I think that was the beginning of understanding that part of. Being creative and thinking creatively is to zig when other people zag, and and to not it. and not to follow the herd. Okay. Uh, and I had very creative parents. My father was a professional dancer, and my mother just really thought creatively. And so I was very fortunate in that way. And I always was drawing and painting and um, thinking about. I wanted to be a fashion designer early on, so it was always there. Uh, and then I learned how to
1: harness it to teach it to other people. That is pretty amazing. I, I feel like in the creative space, I used to say to myself, just like you're talking about, I can't, I, some people are naturally good writers. I can't do it. I've tried. It's so hard. And then I remember hearing about Malcolm Gladwell's theory about the rule of 10,000 hours. And what if we afforded ourselves a whole bunch of hours to learn the thing that meant something to us, whether it's guitar playing or soccer or quilting or whatever, we'd have different results and we would be less hard on ourselves. So I like that you're talking about that, you know, now you help people. Yes, Um, And I, and I help myself
0: too, because as you said, I mean, I didn't learn to write formally. In fact, I went to progressive elementary school. And middle school, where they didn't teach formal writing. And so by the time I got to high school and college, I really didn't even know how to craft a proper essay. They just wanted us to be as creative as possible. And so I had to teach myself how to write. And it's challenging. Writing is difficult, just like, you know, if you're a concert cellist, you need that ten thousand you need those ten thousand hours that's right practice. it doesn't necessarily roll out of your brain um so I think you're right. I think devoting the time to something that we deem as important or that will help us fulfill our own potential is certainly a
1: worthwhile endeavor I do too. I so do and there are people in life if you have a couple of jobs or if you have, couple of jobs in a house full of kids or whatever, maybe they don't have that much time yet. But it's also a way to remember that if you could just steal those 15 minutes or whatever, there will come a day when you can prioritize that a little bit more. And so not to feel bad about that, not to feel guilty or shameful that your friend has written three books, but you have the first chapter down pat as an yes. example. So yes. how did you get into the work that you do? I was a I majored in
0: in fine art in college and then just kept pursuing visual arts and and I worked in on the creative side of advertising and branding and design and while I was in graduate school I had a teaching fellowship and um, that was my first opportunity to actually teach a class they just threw me into teaching freshmen uh, color teaching color theory to freshmen. Oh and wow! That, and that was a great opportunity to both um, be thrown into the water and not know how to swim, and <laughs> and <laughs> and nice. also to and it also was the catalyst for my love of teaching and sharing what I'm passionate about with other people.
1: Oh, that's wonderful! And how has that evolved as you've written more and more books? Because I mean, you wrote the first one. When did it get published? Oh my goodness. I don't, I, I will date myself if I tell you. Okay. I, I, th- I think it was in like 1990. Okay. So I've awesome. been writing for a very long time. Good. And does it get easier as you do it? Yes,
0: it really does. I mean, okay. that, that's true. Um, the process gets easier. It's sort of like, um, I, I always thought I have one child and I always thought if I had a second child, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> 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 so when you write a book, Right. You know what to do. and right. it, you know, from the mechanics of uh, how to format the manuscript and getting permissions for quotes and things like that all the way to learning how to structure a book. so it it gets easier in that sense. It doesn't necessarily get easier in tapping into content and and structuring and creative thinking and 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 what you want to want the takeaways to be for your readers.
1: okay. love that. Okay. What is your writing? Like, do you have a schedule in a way that you do it that works for you? Do you write every day or do you just let the muse capture you or how do you do it?
0: Yes. Uh, I, when I'm not teaching because I'm, when I teach it's, it's a full day at the university plus office hours and travel. So if I'm not teaching and working at the university, I write. And when I had my daughter, I would get up very early to uh, beat her getting up so that I would have some quiet time and and peaceful time to write. And that's, I still do that, even though she's an adult. And I I start early and I, I write as much as possible. I I don't mind writing for hours. I kind of like the endorphins that start to flow in my brain. I really love that. I love, it's the same for people, I think, who quilt or draw or paint or sculpt or even runners. You get that high from concentrating from the flow. And I really now at this point love to write. I didn't love to write early on because I really didn't know how and i was suffering and and it was challenging and um but i'm past that and i still uh worry about sentences and sentence structure and communicating but i really love to write i love getting it out of my brain and and onto the computer screen
1: i think that's so good and it can be so healthy for people to have that creative outlet whatever they choose do you have a group that you write with or editors that you use? I guess I just want people to understand that writers don't always write alone, even though it's a solitary process.
0: Right. I don't, but I mentor faculty uh, throughout the country and I me- I mentor them about writing in their subject matter. And it's it's nonfiction and a lot of them do have groups. They've created writing groups or support groups to um, both keep them going for the support, but also so that it, it keeps you on schedule. You know that you owe this group X number of words. And so a lot of people find that very helpful. I sometimes show articles uh or or chapters to friends and colleagues to get their feedback. And I certainly depend on my husband and daughter for their feedback, although, you know, yeah. I mean, although you don't want to be a pest, but (laughs) to (laughs) to friends or family, but sometimes if I'm feeling, I'm not sure about this article or chapter, I'll show it to other people.
1: I like that because if you write completely alone for too long, A, it can become a lonely process, but you're not always sure you're on the right track or that it makes sense because you're in your own head. So I like that you have that. You have peer, you provide support, but then you also get support as well. Yes, and you asked about editors.
0: Most today, um, the the industry has changed quite a bit. In the old days, you would get a development editor to help you through the process. Uh, A lot of publishers are having financial difficulties and they've cut that position. And so you go from an editor who acquires your book to with nobody helping you throughout to a copy editor at the end who just goes through to make sure that it's communicating. However, um, most recently I worked with a different publisher with Barrett Kohler and that editor, it was a wonderful learning process for me. I had not had anyone really teach me anything since graduate school. And this editor really taught me a lot of about writing uh, a trade book.
1: I love that. That's wonderful to hear. You did find somebody in the midst of all the changes, because I think people often have the misunderstanding that authors make a ton of money. And the truth of the matter is most of us aren't selling as many books as authors used to. And we're upfronting a lot of the costs for things like, I still will use a developmental editor and a copy editor and a proofreader. And that's three different rounds of edits that come out of my pocket. If I'm going to do the project on my own, I'm happy Mm -hmm. to do it, but that's not a small thing. So it's nice that you've found a place where that was included and that you could learn from, because you're going to take that and put that toward your future books as well, that learning Yes, and I'm going to
0: share it with the people that I mentor as well, because it was it. really a terrific, he was, he's an extraordinary editor. hes the, He was the founder of this publishing house, and they really, they only publish 50 titles a year, and they take each author and each book very seriously. But you're right, there are, you know, thousands and thousands of new books every right. year. Right. It's very difficult to make money, you know, unless, you know, if you're Michelle Obama or Stephen right. King you know you're guaranteed an audience but for everybody else we really have to learn to market our own books and our and ourselves and get out there and that's, you know, it, it, it that was a, a shocker for me, you know, it's sort right. of like, what's that movie? You know, if you build it,
1: they will come well. No. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> right. 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 I heard an interview that Stephen Pressfield did. I think I got the name right. And, you know, he wrote the legend of like Bagger Vance and so many amazing books, some bestsellers, some became movies and he was talking in the last couple of years about that he would stop writing soon if he didn't learn the art of marketing his books, because it was no longer did anyone do it for him. And it was just purposeless. Most authors are really selling so few copies of their books. It's like, well, what's the point? So spending as much time writing as well as marketing yes, is it, a better it, it's formula. True.
0: Yes, I even tell people who are pitching a book to a publisher to also include a marketing plan. Right. And and to show that you will do that. And a lot of publishers want to know that you have followers, which is, you know, can be so disheartening if you haven't spent the time building that up on either social media or on LinkedIn. And I should tell your listeners, LinkedIn's the easiest place to build connections and to build an audience. Uh, But they're
1: looking for that. And that that that's a whole job in and of itself. I love it. And how did you figure that out? The LinkedIn part? Can you give us a tip? Sure. I think
0: LinkedIn is really, as I said, the easiest place to build connections because most people won't say no. If you ask them to connect, if they're in your field. Okay. I think people are very happy to connect and it's not a matter of them following you. It's a matter of connecting with you. And so it's a different kind of headset, I think, than fandom on on TikTok or or, or any other social media where right. this is a professional networking. Okay. And, and people are much more likely to connect. So don't feel uh funny about clicking that connect button and add a note saying, you know, I'd love to connect with you. And and most people are not looking for anything when they ask to connect, they just Want those connections? So I'm, I'm. I would say have your coffee in the morning and and go on to LinkedIn and hit connect. Okay,
1: all right. That's a, that's very good tip. So now tell us about your newest book and you know a, a little bit about it and the work that you're doing, not just to promote it, but the work that this book does. The the new art of ideas. Thank you for asking. Yes, I mean I teach. My my students
0: to be creative professionals. And when they go out to become art directors and designers and brand designers, they have to generate many ideas daily. So it's not just one idea once in a while. This is a lot of, you have to present to a client a lot of ideas. Wow. And so I've learned over the years how to codify teaching them how to generate ideas. And what I found also over the years was that students and and colleagues and, and people who I consult with find brainstorming very frustrating because brainstorming requires that you throw out either a partially formed idea or a fully formed idea. But how do you form the idea? Right. And there are systems for forming ideas. And um, one of them asks you to do your research, which is absolutely requisite. You have to do research. Then they ask you to incubate the research. Again, incubation is very important. And then their third step is illumination. That's when it's the aha moment. And again, the idea is supposed to pop out of your head like Athena popped out of Zeus's head. But how do you form the idea? And so I thought I can teach my students to form the idea let me codify it so that other people can have this framework, and that's what I did. I, I present a brand new framework for idea generation in in this book.
1: I love it. I think that is so terrific. You're kind, of, yeah. I think that's fantastic. It sounds new and fresh and exciting. Thank you. And so you teach by day, and you mentor other professors who are writing nonfiction. How can people connect with you if they want to work with you or to, to be able to find out more about your many books? Thank you. Well, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. And <laughs> yes.
0: and, and my website is my name, Robadlana.com, and you can okay. learn about me and my books there. And I'm I'm actually on most social media platforms.
1: Okay. Are you on TikTok?
0: I am on TikTok, although Robin. I I, I, ha- I have not mastered that one yet. So okay. I'm still a lot of non A lot of authors are you know that there's book talk, right? I'm sure right. you know, and, yes. and Insta book, and you know they have certain sections. But TikTok does favor fiction over non-fiction, but yes. I, I'm I'm gonna have to work on that.
1: I tried TikTok as an author, and I put out a couple of little things. And my daughters were so mortified that, and they're in their thirties now, they immediately texted me from across the country, like, no, don't do this. (laughs) So I deleted my TikTok. It's not as though I don't appreciate the art of persistence, but some things I just have to say, I can't be everywhere. So (laughs) I admire that you're going to try that out and, and master that. And when you do, you have to let me know so I can see. Them. I will. I will. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I love that you were here today. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for giving people the encouragement to green light their creativity, whether it's writing or whatever. It takes a while. People can can afford themselves the gift of time and the grace of, you know, keep it up. It will get better.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. It's an honor to meet you, Elizabeth.
1: Thank you, you for as all you well. do. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe and I'll see you next week.
0: Proud member of the Podnougan Network.